like long, did you? <laughs> okay. Sorry, let me just get sorted here. How's everyone doing? Okay, that was a feeble attempt. How's everyone doing? Okay, okay. Um, so my name is uh, Peter Burns. I'm from Community Church Hornsby. Our senior pastor, Pastor Ian Miller. So thank you for having me. It's really good to be here. I spent um, yesterday with the worship team. We had a really good time. You got some amazing, amazing people at this, at this church. Uh, the musicians are great. They're passionate. Um, some of them um, talk quite a bit. Um, but they're just, they're just amazing individuals. Um, they got me to play a little bit of soccer yesterday. It was the first time in, in years that I had some exercise. So thanks for that, Steve. Um, I was in pain last night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so yeah, good to be here. Um, I really had a really good time with the team yesterday. I, I think I kept them for too long. I can, I can talk all day, so you know, I'm with you for another hour. So um, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to talk that long. Okay, maybe 45 minutes. Um, and I spoke quite a bit yesterday. So I hope, guys, I, I hope I didn't speak your ear off or anything like that. Okay. Um, we had a good time. So basically what we did yesterday is we just worked through some stuff on worship. What I want to talk to you about today is really touching on worship, but really something that God has been stirring in my heart as I came in here yesterday um, to also touch on. So if you're cool with that, then we'll jump straight into it. Yeah? Beautiful. If you are checking any Facebook status updates, nothing's happening now. Everyone's in church. So you don't have to check Facebook status updates. Um, and if we find you on your phone or your phone rings, we will, you will donate $10 to missions. Everyone cool with that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, oh, a little bit about myself. So I, I'm one of the pastors at Community Church Hornsby. I, however, I, I'm, I work full-time, so I work for a software analytics company. Um, I enjoy software. I enjoy analytics. I won't bore you with that. I tell my family what I do, and they just glaze over, and they, I kind of just lose them. Because as soon as you talk about behavioral scoring and behavioral mapping, and you talk about analytics and modeling, and some of you already glazed over, so I won't talk about it any longer. Um, but that's what I do for a living. Um, so, yeah, uh, wife, three kids. Uh, apologies that I'm here on my own. Um, we also had a holiday program um, this past week called Kickstart. We ran for five days, running from 7.30 in the morning to like something stupid like 6 p.m. at night. So yesterday I phoned my wife and she was just laying on the couch and laying in the bath and she was just out of it completely. So apologies that she couldn't be here with you guys. Okay, good intro. Okay, so I'm from South Africa. And the Springboks beat Samoa this morning, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> Finally happening. Um, I'm from South Africa, so I'm loud, I'm passionate. As you saw this morning, I was leading worship. I go a little bit crazy, I'm crazy for Jesus. That's what I am, I'm crazy for Jesus. So I'll shout, I'll scream, I'll jump. If, you, if I make a good point and you don't say amen, I'll stop and I'll wait for you to say amen. Do you know what I mean? You know why I do that? Because we preach together. I say you respond, you agree, you take something away, I take something away, you know. God has always, always wanted this to be in community. It's always about family. Cool? Beautiful. All right. What was I going to share? <laughs> okay. 
I wanted to talk about identity in the context of worship. Um, it's been an interesting journey for me, you know, and I've, and I've found whenever I speak on identity, there's a certain level of, of understanding that God has given me on identity, and I love talking about it. Um, I, I get passionate about it. And, you know, back in the day, back in the day of Moses, God has always wanted us all to be priests. He's always wanted that from us. He's always wanted us to be priests. You know, the Levitical priest would, and Moses was from the tribe of Levi, um, God calls Moses and he says in, in Exodus um, 19 verse 5 to 6, he says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses goes up to God and he goes, and God says to him, Man, I want you to go down and I want you to tell these guys who I want them to be. I want them to be a special people to me. I want them to be a kingdom of priests to me. I want all of them to be my priests. Not just you, not just you, Moses. I know Moses from the tribe of, Le tribe of Levi. Not just you. I want everyone to be my priests. So Moses go down to the people. And I'm so sorry, my phone's ringing. I don't know who's phoning me. That's terrible. I'll give 10, 10 bucks to missions, Pastor. I do apologize for that. So, so, um, so what happens is Moses goes down to the people, all right? And the people, they saw the thunder, they saw the lightning, they heard the ram's horns and, and all of those things. And Moses says to the people, man, you know what? God wants you to be his special possession. All he's asking is for you to obey him. Would you obey him and you can be his special possession? You can be his priests. You can be his kingdom of priests. So what happens is the people see God. They go, Moses, God is scary. We don't want to talk to God because if we talk to God, we're going to die. Moses says, no, 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 no. God just wants you to fear him. He's not out to kill. He wants you to be his kingdom of priests. They go, no, you talk to God. We talk to you. We don't want to talk to God. So what happens? Moses goes back and Moses says, God, that I don't want to. They don't want to do that. So what happens, what comes out of that, if you go through the Old Testament, is all these laws starts being given to Moses. Because all God wanted is saying, I want you to obey me and you will be my priests. They say, no, we don't want to do that. So God says, okay, now here's all these laws you have to abide by. Sad, sad thing that happens in the Old Testament. You see, we were always meant to be a kingdom of priests. We were always meant to be that. So it's a sad thing that plays out. But then what happens is, let's fast forward into the New Testament. In the New Testament in 1 Peter, what happens is, Peter gives this whole speech in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1 verse 4 to 8. I'll read it to you and I'll get to verse 9. We'll have verse 9 up on the screen. It says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, the one... 
and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who don't believe the stone is the stone that the builders rejected, a stone that causes people to stumble. He goes on and he talks about this cornerstone. So Peter comes from the Old Testament where Moses has told us he's always wanted us to be priests. We get into the New Testament. Peter quotes this in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Man, that is incredible. So in Exodus, Moses goes, God wants you to be his priests. He's always wanted you to be special people. The people reject that and they go, no, Moses, we want you to speak to God. We don't want to speak to God directly. God goes, okay, I need to give you law. Because you don't want to be, you want to do. And that's what law is, right? You don't want to be, you want to do. Because you want to do stuff to be holy before me. And I want you to be but you want to do. It's so, so, so crippling to us as Christians these days. We feel we need, we feel we need the checklist. I need to tick that. I need to tick that. I need to tick that. Then I'm worthy. God never intended that. He said, I want you to be my prized possession. I want you to be my priests. But the people said, no, we want to do. And there's a great song that Bethel sings where it says, show me your glory. And it talks about, I see the cloud. And it's so beautiful in the New Testament because we now see the cloud and we choose to step in. Not in the old days where people stood back and said, God is scary. We don't want to go in there. But now we step in. Because we no longer need to check. We no longer need to go through the checklist and say, I did that, I did that. Oh, I prayed. I, I did all of the things. We don't need to go through that checklist anymore. Because the cornerstone came along this amazing cornerstone came along and you know what happened when this cornerstone came along it says but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light that's a good word come on that's so good Peter brings us into the new covenant and he's like man because of Christ, you are a priest. You are a holy nation. You belong to him. No longer do you have to have a mediator called Moses. You now be, No longer do you have to have all these rules you have to abide by. So incredible. You are chosen. That's who you are. And if any of you has ever wondered whether you are chosen, let me tell you this morning, you are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. You are God's special possession. Man, God looks at you and he smiles. He's happy when he sees you. You are special to him. Don't ever let anyone else tell you any different. That's who you are. You see, when it comes to worship and identity, worship is not something that we do. It's not something we do. It's who we are. Everything about me. Lord, when I go to work, Lord, when I speak to my kids, Lord, when I'm online and I'm looking at stuff, wh whatever I do is an act of worship because it's who I am. Because he's always wanted us to be his priests. Always. He's always wanted us to be his priests. 
And now finally through Jesus, we are exactly that. Man, that's so redeeming. That is so redeeming. So I'm in the U.S. I'm a little while back and I'm on the phone. And as you do, you have to, when you travel and you have problems, you have to phone good old Telstra. I know no one here ever has problems with Telstra. Because Telstra always does everything right. So I had to phone Telstra. So I phone Telstra and I'm on the phone and I speak to a um, nice lady. And while I'm speaking to us, you know, she sorts it out and she says, Oh, so is there anything else I can help you with today? And as she's asking me that question, I know I'm chosen. I know who I am in Him. I know my identity in Him. And I know that He says, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So wherever you place your foot, whoever you speak to, I will release my presence over them. So that's what I know. So I'm going, yeah, I think there's something else we can talk about here. So I go, yeah, actually there is. And she says, oh, okay, what is it? And in my head I get this picture. And by the way, if I stop during the message and I just, you know, give a bit of a word of prophecy. Are you guys okay with that? Sometimes I, okay, cool. So, <laughs> so I... In my head, I just see this picture, and I see the picture of a girl sitting in a call center, and she's looking over at someone, and she's smiling. And I said to her, you sound very happy today. And she says, yes, I am very happy today. I said, what is his name? She goes, what are you talking about? I said, what's his name? She says, what do you mean? I said, the guy sitting across from you that you're looking at right now, what's his name? She just goes quiet and she says, how did you know that? I said, don't worry about how I know that. Just what's his name? And she gives me his name. I said, okay. I said, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit just showed me that that's what's going on in your world right now. And the reason that he showed me that is because he wants you to know how much he loves you. He wants you to know that you are special to him. And then she asks me, what do you think I should do? And it's very, it's very cool, you know, when, when God gives you, you know what we term a word of knowledge, it, people just open up, okay, what else do you want to say to me? And I'm like, cool, I can speak into this now. So I start telling, I said, look, man, God loves you and God has a, a lot of things in store for you. And I said, you don't rush into this because you are special to him. You let that guy pursue you. You don't pursue that guy because you're a special woman. I said, you're a woman of favor. You're a woman of faith. I'm saying it to her. She's a woman of faith. I don't even know she's a Christian, but I just feel I need to say it. I'm just declaring it over. I said, you're a woman of favor. You're a woman of faith. You're an amazing woman. And then God shows me one. I said, and, and God just loves the way you always encourage your siblings. You're always looking out for them. You're always encouraging them. You're always there for them. Now this girl's in tears. She's in tears because she's been met with love. You see, when God touches someone's life, it's transformed completely. Whether it be an amazing story of a lady in a parking lot getting saved, when God touches someone's life, it's the most beautiful and amazing thing. And we spoke through about who Jesus is with her. I spoke through that with her. And it was an amazing encounter. What am I trying to highlight? I'm saying, I know who I am. So when I go into a situation, I know who I represent. And him that I represent, he is about redemption. He is about love. He is about forgiving. He is about freedom. So I know the Father's heart and I step in and I go, Father, what do you want me to do in this situation? Because I know what you've done for me. You've set me free. You've brought me on this journey. 
And I just want to take that message to everyone that I encounter. Know who you are. You have always been designed to be a priest. You know why it's so important to know that? Because you carry his presence. And I shared a little bit with, uh, um, about this with the team yesterday. You carry his presence. There's this amazing story in the, in the Old Testament where um, David sees that there's this guy, Abinadabs. He's got the Ark of the Covenant at his house. And David sees the Ark of the Covenant is in, at Abinadab's house for 40 years. And David sees and he goes, for 40 years this guy's been blessed. Now remember in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence. Okay? Old Testament. We live in New Testament. There's no box somewhere that we have to go and walk around. We live in the New Testament. Sorry, that's not a stab at anyone. I do apologize for that. We live in the New Testament, so we don't have to look for the Ark anymore. Okay? So in the Old Testament, the Ark was a representation of God's presence. Cool? So... This ark is at Abinadab's house, and for 40 years, this guy's blessed. He's just amazingly blessed. So David's like, we need that in the middle of the city. Listen to the prophetic word there. We need that presence in the middle of the city. So he goes, okay, how are we going to get it there? Anyway, they try various things. They try an ox cart, and as you know, Uzzah, Abinadab's son, dies when he tries to steady the ox cart. And they're tying everything to get this Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, into the city. Because David knows where the presence is, people will prosper. People will be free. People will be healed. People will have a deep understanding of the Father's heart. People will be able to worship better. People will be able to encounter Him better. He knows that. And he wants this in the center. And he tries everything. And eventually, in First Chronicles 15 verse 2, 1 to 2, David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David says, no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. That is amazing. We've just spoken about the tribe of Levi being the priests, because the people rejected the relationship with God. Okay? So that's all Old Testament. But what happens is Christ comes along. And who becomes priests? All of us. We all become priests. So who's now to worship before Him? All of us. It's not the worship team's responsibility anymore. All of us. So while the team's up here singing and getting into it, you're standing there and you're going, Oh, come on guys, I need you to take me to that space. No, no, no. We're all supposed to step in. No one's supposed to take you. You step in. The Psalm 100 verse 4 says, What? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. So all of us are priests. Check what David, how David finds out how to get the presence of God into the city. On the shoulders of the priests. Come on, that's a good word. That means that you want to take God's presence into your world? He says there, it's, it's available to you because it's on your shoulders. You carry His presence. I carry my presence into the workplace. I carry, him, I carry His presence into the workplace. I carry His presence into my school. I carry His presence wherever I go, into my family, wherever I go. It's not about a place. It's where I go, there His presence goes. He says, my presence will go with you and you will find rest. That is so cool. 
Because that means, you know what that means? That means wherever you go, whether you're sitting in Burger King, or whether you're at Macca's, or wherever you go, His presence is there. The challenge is, He never leaves us nor forsakes us. So the challenge is not whether He's there. The challenge is, are we aware that He's there? Are we aware that His presence is there? Sometimes, and I know I, I, did, I did worship at church. Sometimes you find you start leading worship and you find people come in and they're kind of like sussing you out. And that's okay. They, they're kind of sussing out. What's worship going to be like today? Oh, is, it, is it really going to happen? Am I going to feel the groove? Are they going to take me somewhere? And you know what I've realized? That in this context, I have to bring my sacrifice of praise. I have to bring what God has done for me. Do you think it was hard for me after that encounter with speaking to that lady on the phone and seeing how God touched her life? Do you think it was hard for me to come into church and worship? No, it wasn't hard. But you see, the personal stuff we experience, the personal encounters we have with Him, we bring that into the corporate environment and we give Him praise. But sometimes nothing's happening there and we want everything to happen here. All right? It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. We step out and we do life. And as we do life and we encounter Him, we come in here and we bring everything that He has done for us. We bring it into this environment and we give Him honor and we give Him praise for what He's done. Sometimes we got it the wrong way around. Sometimes we come here and we go, come on, I just need some fuel because I need to get out there. And sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need encouragement. And I'm hoping this morning I'm, I'm encouraging you, Okay. I'm hoping I'm encouraging you this morning. And sometimes you need that. But we've got to understand that it's the other way around. I step out and I do what I need to do. I preach the gospel. I love people. I pray for the sick and they are healed. I do all sorts of things like that. And I come back and I'm in. Man, I just need to be filled up again. Come on, I just need to be filled up again, Holy Spirit, so I can go out and do some more. That's what He's always wanted us to be. His priests. His priests. I went on a, on a, about three weeks ago, I went on a trip to New Zealand um, and with a colleague. So we're in New Zealand and myself and the senior pa and my senior pastor, Pastor Ian Miller, um, we, we tend to sometimes play little games where he gives you, he gives me, sends me someone's name and then I come up with a prophetic word for that person and I'll send it back and he'll tell me whether I'm right or wrong type of thing. Um, just, just to stop on that, guys, don't ever be scared of the supernatural because we serve a supernatural God. So when you're praying for someone for healing, for argument's sake, don't be scared to find out whether they've been healed or not because it's not you doing the healing. It's the Spirit doing it through you. So if you're, the Spirit is doing it through you, if, he's, if the person's not healed, it's not your fault. It's not the person's fault either. You've got to lean into it. Sometimes you've got to lean into stuff to get things over the line. All right? And the same goes for any other spiritual gift. If, you, if you've been asking God for a gift of teaching, you know what, get into teaching. And if someone tells you you suck, you just lean into it more. Do you get what I'm saying? Don't ever be, be, be weary of the supernatural. You know, we're all on a journey. We're all discovering things. So this is the game that myself and my senior pastor plays. We've played with a lot of um, prophetic people in the church. So, um, so we play this game and he gives me an, 
he gives me a name, I give him a word for that. Then, he, then I give him a name, but I give him the name of the colleague that's traveling with me. He doesn't know this colleague. And he comes back and he gives a whole lot of stuff. And, and I'm reading it, but I'm reading it while we're taking the cab from the airport home. Okay, so we landed in Sydney. We're in the cab, airport home. And I'm reading it and I'm laughing. Because some of the stuff was like right on the money. I mean, he got, he says, I see the number 75. And I laughed because the guy was born in 1975. You know, it's just specific stuff. And, I'm, and the guy next to me says, what's going on? I said, oh, man, I don't know how to explain this to you. How do you explain that to someone that's not a Christian? You know what I mean? Without making it sound um, lighthearted or whatever. Because it's, you know, it's serious stuff. But we, you, you play this game because you're growing in your, in your skill or your abilities. So I said, I said, okay, I'll tell you. And I start telling him, look, this is what we do. And his eyes just go big. He says, and I said, look, there's about six of us that do this. He said, six of you in the world? I go, no. I said, no, that's just at our church. He says, your church have six people that's that crazy? <laughs> I go, yeah, we've got six people that's that crazy. Oh, my goodness, it's 25 plus. I'm not even on point two. All right. So I, I, anyway, let, let's keep going. I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll speed up the story. So um, I said, yeah, no, that's what, and, I, and I started telling him about all the stories, all the experiences that I've had, you know, as far as prophetic words are concerned and, and things like that. And we're sitting in the cab, and the cab driver's driving, and we've got to turn left at the next road. And the guy turns right. So we're both like looking at each other. We go, dude, where are you going? He goes, oh, I'm so sorry, man. I was just listening to what you guys were talking about. I didn't know where I was driving. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, you've got, you're busy doing something here. Anyway, we chat through it, and it turns out that my colleague's wife, not a Christian, um, the, 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 the blessings and calling of God is without repentant it's irrevocable so when god blesses you with something even when you don't walk with him you still have that gift that's why there's a lot of people that dabble in the supernatural it's not that they submit to a bad force it's that god's given them a gift that they just don't know where it should be used does that make sense okay so he says to me man it's amazing you told me that because my wife's been seeing things and she's been experiencing things and we don't know what it is i said i'll come over and we'll chat through it and i'll I'll, I'll tell you what Jesus says about it. And he's like, yeah, that'll be so good. I'm like, that's cool. I just got an open door, you know, to go in and share the gospel. So next week I'm going to go to his house and share the gospel with him and his wife. How cool is that? What's even better is we drop him. So it's another 20 minutes to my place. So I go and I sit in the front of a cab. Now the cab driver is freaked out. <laughs> he is freaked out because he's heard all the stuff in the back now. I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, that was a good conversation. He looks at me and says, what about me? <laughs> I go, oh, I said, what, what do you mean? He says, what's God telling you about me? Now, that's significant because this guy believes to, he belongs to a different belief system, but he's addressing God, okay? And he's not addressing Buddha, he's addressing God. He says, what's God saying about me? I'm like, that is very significant. I go, I said said to him, look, before you ask me the next question, I have to say something to you. I said, God will not reveal anything to me that is not meant to build you up. So you don't have to be concerned about anything. If there's anything that will break you down, it will not be revealed to me because that's not the God that he is. He's a God of love. And I said, Jesus, I must tell you, in this cab right now, Jesus loves you and he cares for you. He goes, okay, 
So what's he saying about me? Now that is a, um, I don't know if a lot of you have, have, have stepped into a lot of the prophetic stuff, but that's a very tough question. When you're sitting with someone and they say, tell me what God says about me. It's confronting because they're not a Christian. So you can start with, you know, God loves you and he cares for you because he, he, knows, he knows all of that already. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, Holy Spirit, you got to show up now because I got nothing. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is so faithful, you know, and shows up. And I said, I won't go into the details. I'll just share two things that the Holy Spirit showed me that was really life-altering for this guy. But, but understand what I'm trying to, I'm not trying to say you, to tell you stories. I'm trying to, to show you that wherever you go, His presence is with you. You just need to become aware of it. It's not about, oh, Jesus, would you come now? It's just you need to become aware of the reality that is there and step into that. So I said, man, I said to him, man, Something happened in your life. I said it happened um, 17 years ago. No, sorry, I said it happened 13 years ago. Something broke in your life. And from that time onwards, you have not been able to finish anything. You keep trying to do stuff, but you're not able to finish it. He's sitting, he says, I've got goosebumps. Because that's exactly what's going on in my life. And then we unpack a whole lot of things and we speak through stuff. And it was like, honestly, it was like a counseling session in the cab. But that's how good God is, you know. And, and, and what the key bit for me in that was is that the Holy Spirit is asking me to step out so that He can love on someone. Now check that. Check the partnership. He's asking me to step out so He can love on someone. That guy, by the end of that night, that guy had healing for a broken relationship with his brother that's in another country. Because the Holy Spirit said to me, he's got a broken relationship with a family member in another country. Tell him he needs to go through a time of healing. I told him that. He said, how did he know that? I said, Holy Spirit told me that. But because he told me that, there's also healing for you. So let's pray through that. And we did that. Okay? But what I'm saying is, I stepped out, partnered with him for someone else to be loved on. So what happens with the times when we don't step out? Are we missing opportunities for God to show his love to people? He's always wanted us to be his priests. But we've got to know who we are and what we walk with. We walk with that authority. We walk with that amazing, amazing presence all over us. It's all over us. Have you ever walked into a room and something changes and you wonder what just happened? It's you. You brought something in. Be aware of what you walk with. Be aware of what you walk with. I want to just try and get through this last point very quickly. Because you know what? There's something about knowing your identity, knowing who you are in Christ, that will revolutionize the way you live your life. Just knowing who you are in Christ. You see, our identity is in the image of Christ. That's our identity. And so often, as Christians, what we do is we, we let our behavior determine Dictate our identity. Right? So sometimes it's bad behavior and we go, and I need to just take a break from church because I'm getting up to some stuff that I shouldn't be getting up to. And sometimes it's good behavior. Sometimes we do all the good stuff, you know, read, I read my Bible. I spend time in worship. I spend time with the worship team. I spend time praying for people. And we allow the things, whether it be good or bad, we allow the things that we do, we allow our behavior to dictate our identity. 
doesn't work like that. Our identity is in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. You know, we can't allow it. We can't allow it to dictate. Let me explain. Okay, so when we experience, where did we lose our identity? Lost it in the garden, right? That's where we lost our identity. So we lost our identity in the garden, okay? Because in the garden, we became spiritually dead. Something happened, we became spiritually dead in the garden. Okay? So God needed to fix that problem. So to fix that problem, He needed to take where we were at, where we were located, and put us somewhere else. Because He needed to fix that problem, because we lost our identity in something. And that something being Adam. And He needed to place us somewhere else. Okay, so if I had to take, I'll take this page here. Let me just do a little illustration. If I take this page here and I put this page inside this iPad cover. So the page is inside the iPad cover. If I send this iPad to China, which I don't think I'll do. It's a stupid example. To South Africa. (laughs) If I send this iPad to South Africa, where does the page go? To South Africa. If I throw this iPad into this iPad cover into a pool of water, what happens to the page? Gets wet. All right? So what happens is the page takes on the identity of the cover that it's in. Right? The experience of the cover that it's in. Right? Okay. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 says this. For just as because of their union of nature in Adam all people die, so also by virtue of their union of nature shall all in Christ be made alive. Your experience in life will depend with who you are in with. Who, oh, what's your iPad cover? If you are the page, what's your iPad cover? Because that will determine who you are in with. That will determine your experience. Just as if I throw the iPad cover in the water, the page gets wet. So whoever you are in with, you inherit the experience of that person. Correct? Cool. Now check this out. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says this. It is because of Him that you are in Christ. It's because of God that you are in Christ. Okay? Now remember... You are in Jesus, and your experience is as a result of being in Him and His experience. Right? With the analogy. Check this out. It is because of Him that you are in Christ, who has become for us wisdom of God. So Jesus is made wisdom, and because I'm in Jesus, I'm wise. You get that? Jesus is made the wisdom, and because I'm in Jesus, remember I inherit the experience of whatever I'm in. Because I'm in Jesus, I'm wise. Who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness. How cool is that? Jesus is, has become righteousness. Because I'm in Jesus, I am righteous. I haven't done anything yet. I'm just in Jesus. Because I'm in Jesus, I'm righteous. And it goes on to say holiness and redemption. So Jesus is made holy and Jesus is made our redemption. And because I'm in Jesus, I'm holy and I am redeemed. Notice I haven't prayed five times a day. I haven't haven't done all the holy things. But because I'm in Jesus, I'm holy. Because I'm in Jesus, I'm redeemed. Because I'm in Jesus, I'm righteous. Come on. 
That is where you find your identity, not in the stuff that you do. I've seen so many people that find their identity in things like evangelism, in things like worship leading, in things... You don't find, those, those things are great, don't get me wrong. Those things are great, but they don't define who you are. They don't define who you are. Jesus defines who you are. So you are holy because you are in Him. You are righteous because you are in Him. That's who you are. That's who you are. Man, that is so cool. You see, now I'm identifying with Jesus. And first God says to me, I'm a priest. And I reject it. But then Jesus comes along and he, and he redeems me back to God. And now I'm a priest. And wherever I go, his presence is with me. But here's the, here's the beautiful part of it. I don't have to subscribe to a whole lot of norms. I just subscribe to who he is. That's what I do. So I'm standing at the conference and and a guy says to me, he says, oh man, I've got a back problem. And I say, okay, well, let's pray. And we pray and nothing happens. And I don't question my position. Don't ever do that. When nothing happens, don't start questioning your position. Start questioning what you've got to lean into. What you've got to be asking for. And this is a, <laughs> this is a weird Example, actually, but I'll tell you the story. So when I grew up in South Africa, when I was at high school, I used to drink a lot of Coke um, because I battled to sleep at night. So I used to watch a lot of CNN and drink a lot of Coke. And after a while, it wasn't agreeing with my body anymore. So when I used to drink Coke, I used to get back pains because it's like winds that you get in your back when you drink a lot of Coke. So that was my experience growing up. Anyway, God uh, set me free from Coke. <laughs> It sounds bad, isn't it? You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, I really stopped drinking Coke. So, um, so this guy comes up and he says, man, I've got this back pain and I'm praying. And I'm, nothing happens and I'm praying again, nothing happens. And then I go, you know what? I said to him, you know what? Let's just ask the Holy Spirit what this is about. So I put my hand on him and I said, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to him right now what this is about? I said to him, what did you get? He says, nothing. I said, no, no, what did you get? I said, I'm, I'm not asking you to tell me whether the thing that you got made sense. I'm just asking you what you got. He goes, I just got Coke. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, do you drink a lot of Coke? He says, yes, I do drink a lot of Coke. I said, well, tell, let me tell you my story. And I shared my story with him. I said, you need to stop drinking Coke because that's where you get your pain from. I said, and Jesus didn't heal, take the pain away this morning because the pain had another source and he revealed what that source is. Isn't it just amazing? But you see, I could have stood back and questioned my position, questioned my identity, questioned whether I had prayed enough before I came to church that day or questioned whether I had read my Bible enough that week or if I had all my quiet times. And all of those things are great. And, and yes, you need to do all of those things. But that's not what it's about, right? That's not what it's about. We got into Jesus. I want to pray for some people. And, and if, you, if, you, if you're angry this morning that 
that the enemy has lied to you about your identity. I want you to stand right now. The enemy has just lied to you about your identity and there's times that you believed it and you just, you're just sick and tired of that nonsense. I want you to stand, to stand right now if you would. Just stand where you are, if that's you. If you're sick and tired of the, of the life and circumstances that has robbed you from, from living a fulfilled life, then do you want to stand right now, if that's you? Come on. Let's just, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, I want to thank you that you're a God of the impossible, you're a God of the incredible. I want to thank you that you're more than enough. Lord, I want to just pray for these folks that are standing right now, Lord. Lord, I pray for a fresh revelation of them knowing who they are in you. I pray for a fresh revelation, Lord God, of the strength and the boldness that will take them to higher heights in experiencing the amazing, amazing provision that you give. You're an amazing God. You're an amazing Father. So, Father, I just want to release your purposes over their lives right now. And I ask you to bless them and to strengthen them. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.